Welcome back to PHM Experience, the podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries in Smyrna, Delaware, and we are going to be bringing you weekly sermons and our midweek services, as well as podcasts and interviews that we think are going to empower and enrich your life. When you're done listening, feel free to share with someone else, because you never know what impact the word may make. Be blessed. August, and here we are in September now, just believing God for the overflow, and I'm just increasingly aware that in this season that God wants to bless his people. I I pray that you would just give comments and um, give encouragement on tonight and release, amen, your desires and your prayer requests and so forth on tonight. Let's just get ready. I'm going to give you a minute or two to get ready on tonight so that we can get right into the word of the Lord on tonight. I just believe that we are still in a consecrated moment in time of the Holy Spirit and um, praise God, Tawana Ricks. God bless you, Felicia Banks. God bless you, amen. amen. Give me a holler, somebody. Let me know you're online with us on tonight. We're getting ready for the word of the Lord. Amen, God has been so faithful to all of us in this season. And you know, you can take the time to complain or you can take the time to praise, amen. You can take the time to complain or you can take the time to praise. It's a choice, amen? And as we mature in Christ, we all realize that our choices really do do determine our um, path and our trajectory. So let's get ready, amen, for the word of the Lord on tonight. Let's hear what thus saith the Lord. Tonight, I want to talk to you about um, a familiar subject, but one that many times has been um, spiritualized and honestly emotionalized in many cases. And I want to talk to you tonight about the um the fire of the holy spirit i want to talk to you tonight about the holy ghost i want to talk to you about the the power um the the authority the access the permission i want to talk to you tonight about the significance of the holy spirit in one's life now we those who have come from a pentecostal background understand uh, the Holy Ghost, because it was a, it's a major doctrine, it's a major teaching, um, it's a major thing that it's a major qualifier um, in our traditional Pentecostal roots. Um, in some circles, you weren't even saved until you were speaking in tongues and with mighty burning fire. And we we were uh, told after our salvation, not only was the water baptism important. But in our Pentecostal circles, so it was the fire of baptism. And so, and it's interesting in other, other parts of the faith, um, people have uh, considered the outward or inward empowering of the Holy Spirit to be in many cases um, not of God, uh, the being filled with the Holy Ghost speaking of the tongues. Many have actually been correlated to demonic manifestation. And so in this season, we want to understand that as we get closer to Christ's coming, as we get closer to the end time, as we get closer to that, the fulfillment of the spirit, you and I must understand that um, it's imperative that we walk in the spirit. And so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, I encourage you tonight to 
you may have some brothers and sisters and friends, some family, some people that I believe this conversation has just come up even on this week in some of your households and some of your faith and some of the development of your faith and the understanding of your faith that the Holy Ghost is not something that mimics you rolling in the ground and running around the church. The Holy Spirit is the triune part of God that is with us right now. You must understand the Father has already come to establish um, the earth. Then he sent his son and Jesus was on the earth. Now we both know that Jesus has gone up. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father right now. And so then he sent us another comforter. He sent us the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so the God that's with us right now and will be with us until Jesus comes back is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not coming. The Holy Spirit is here. He's with us. He, he's nigh thee, even in thy mouth. <laughs> it's, uh, glory to God. It's with you even right now. And so those who are believers, the Bible makes it very clear that even when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you are sealed to the day of redemption. Mm -hmm. That means when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not only are you now exonerated from the sin of Adam, mm -hmm, because when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you accept the sacrifice, the when you acknowledge that Jesus exists and that his purpose was not just to be a New Testament, uh, uh, an Old Testament prophet or a, a good rabbi, but you recognize him as the Savior, as it's important that you understand that Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit has me emphasizing this because in this last day is not the um, it's not the challenge that Jesus existed. We're not being challenged by other forms of doctrine and teachings that Jesus existed. It's just what form he existed in is where the division comes. Many will believe that Jesus is a prophet. You can believe that he's a prophet, but being Jesus as a prophet doesn't exonerate you from your eternal sins. Come on. You can believe that he was a great rabbi, but just him being a teacher is not going to wash your sins away. Come on. You can believe that Jesus was a good man. You can believe that he was a man, a miracle worker, but his miracles are not what washed my sins away. You and I must believe that he is the Christ, mm -hmm, the son of the living God. You must believe that and that he died for your sins. The Holy Spirit says, emphasize this because there is power in your belief. And the Holy Spirit wants me to show you something that his teachable, teach here, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit will, will become prevalent or real with proper understanding. Lord have mercy. So if you are ignorant of your revelation, then he is not going to ride with ignorance. He's going to, he's going to ride with your true understanding of the truth. And as you, as your, as your faith now is connected to truth, then the Holy Spirit will infuse 
that truth and come forth. Come on. And so if you if you understand this, what I'm saying is that <clears throat> the Simeon was a wizard. He was one that was seeing the apostles work in miracles and signs and wonders. He saw them working and he began to desire the power of the spirit. He, be, he, he wanted the power of the spirit, but he was used to the operation of a dark manifestation. And that manifestation was acquired through purchase or through some kind of trade. So he didn't really know he was being disrespectful when he began to ask them what do I have to pay to get this Holy Ghost? They began to rebuke him and basically told him he's not going to make it into the kingdom. He quickly backed up and said, wait a minute, this is not the way y'all flow. I didn't mean no harm. I didn't mean no disrespect because you can't pay for this power. Oh, my shot. You can't pay for this connection. This is not done by transfer of natural exchange. This is done through spiritual submission. Come on, this is through the understanding that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Come on. And the Bible lets us know that we must now seek the face of God. We must understand that we must receive him, amen, by faith. My God, we must ask for him and receive the Holy Spirit by faith. He says, I have not left you comfortless, John uh, 12 says, I have not left you comfortless. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you another comforter that will lead you. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It will guide you. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It will lead you and guide you into what? All truth. The Holy Spirit is, how can I say this? It is the true uh, revealer of truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. When you have the Holy Ghost, when you have the Spirit of God in your life, when God is leading and guiding your life. This is key words here. The Holy Spirit will not push and prod. He will not drag and and try to get you to do something, uh, try to get you to make you do something. He will not manipulate or create witchcraft, or he will not barter with you. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. No, no, no. His, 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 his objective is to lead you and guide you into all truth. Come on. So you have to, first of all, the person who's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, the person who's going to be walking in the fire of God has to have some, has to have some character situation. You have to have some character because your character has to have a desire for truth. Mm, my God, you and I who want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit must have a desire for truth, not have a desire to be, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't have a desire to be uh, affirmed of your truth. You have to have a pure desire of the truth. Come on, because there's only one truth. There's not, uh, there's, there's not different. See, the truth is the truth. There's not different, um, uh, not different ideals of truth. There's not different, um, uh, you got your truth. Well, you got your truth and I got my truth and your truth is good for you. And my, no, no, no. There's not different truths. There's only one truth. There's only one God. There's only one word. There's only one interpretation. And see, the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of truth. He will lead you and guide you 
into all truth. So the fire of God is the illuminator of truth. Come on, write that down. See, one of the attributes of the fire of the Holy Spirit is that it's an illuminator of truth. It's not, in our Pentecostal background, we know that when we think about fire, we think about the quickening, we think about the stirring, we think about the praise, we think about the jumping, the hollering, and all this is attributes of the fire of God working in a person's members. But another way of looking at this also is that the Holy Ghost is a revealer, a illuminator, a, 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 a clarity of what the will of God is. The Holy Ghost will bring clarity to the people of God. You must understand that the enemy, and why is this so important? Because we're our enemy is a deceiver of the brethren. He is a manipulator. He is one that blinds the mind of the people on the earth. So we, as the power of the Holy Spirit, must contradict and counteract against Satan's devices. And as he likes to lurk in the dark, God gives us the fire of his light. And his light is the revelation of the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. I know I just jumped in here on tonight because this fire is on me right now. This revealer of truth is on me. And I just want to speak to you on tonight about the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so um, the Bible says, let's go into, let's get you a scripture right here. Um, Luke 11 and 13 says, if then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Read that again, pastor. If then being evil know how to give gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How important are you? Okay, here's the thing. Satan's job is to get you to believe that there's no need for the Holy Ghost in your life. It's his, it's his, it's his plan to get you to discount it, to make sure, to make you feel as though you don't need it. I remember early days in my, in my faith, we were uh, praying and tearing with other people in our churches that love Temple Church of God in Christ in our earlier days. And one of the brothers was saying, I feel so good with Jesus. I don't know why I need the Holy Ghost. I just feel so good. And he felt the newborn experience. He felt the Abba father. He felt the conversion. He felt the, um, the the lifting of sin. No wonder he felt good. But he did. He was not endued with fire. He was not endued with the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. Mm -hmm. And so he was trying to make his argument as if I feel so good in Jesus right now. I don't really feel like I'm missing anything. Let me tell you something about missing stuff. You don't know you're missing something because you've never experienced it. There's a lot of things in your life right now you've never experienced. So you don't have the 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 the, the lack or the shortfall in your understanding or your desire that you're missing it because you've never been exposed to it. Now, once you have had a taste of grandmother's sweet potato pie, now you can miss it. But if you've never tasted it and others are raving about it, I don't know what the big, I don't know what the big excitement is. It's just a piece of pie until you've tasted grandmother's pie. Mm -hmm. You can discount the taste of it. 
But once you've tasted it for yourself, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, church. Once you've tasted it for yourself, now you understand what all the hype is about. And so we're dealing with a group of people, we're dealing with believers all over the world who've never really tasted the true essence and power of the Holy Ghost. Many of you have been doctrinally trained not to desire it. Some of you have just never been exposed to someone else who has been walking in the power of God. Some of you have just never, amen, uh, faith has never gotten you to that place. But then my job and my assignment for tonight is to create a desire so you can recognize that there is a power, there is an anointing, there is an experience in God that supersedes anything that you've ever felt in your life. It is beyond your highest climax. It's beyond your greatest uh, achievement. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, being filled with the power of God exceeds any natural expectation or experience that you ever had in your life. And I understand that you've never had this. You may try to say, well, I'm not missing anything. Just sometimes pride kicks in and you don't even want to admit that, you know, possibly there's something that you're missing. But I come to tell you, you're missing something. If you are not walking in the baptism power of the Holy Spirit, you're missing something. There is, I'm not talking about something that's going to change your character. The Holy Ghost doesn't change your character. It doesn't change your personality. It illuminates who you truly, purely are as an individual. It gives you, uh, it gives you a in 10 time, 100 time understanding, amen. It gives you a boldness and a strength and an authority that many of us have never walked in based on our natural experiences of life. And so when you and I enter into this uh, this gift of God, when you enter into the desire, because God desires to give this to all of his believers, but the scripture made it very clear in Luke 11 and 13, that the heavenly, that how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? My job tonight is possibly to get you to ask for it. You need to ask for the baptism fire. You need to pray. You need to make a, put, open up your heart and say, Lord, come into my heart. Come feel my vessel. Feel me till I'm overflowing. Feel me till I cannot contain any longer. And, you know, once again, I want, I want to just, I want to take out the misnomer and, and, and the negativity that possibly you're going to lose yourself. No, 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 no. The Holy Ghost will never take a person. The Holy Spirit reveals the person. To the person. You get to find out who you really are, amen, when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. Glory to God. There's clarity. Say that with me. Write your notes. There is clarity of understanding. There is clarity of truth. And I'm not just talking about biblical truth, but I'm talking about life truth. I'm talking about relational truth. I'm talking about physical proof. I'm talking about business proof. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. Many of you sitting here saying, Lord, what, what direction am I supposed to go? What decision am I supposed to make? He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen, somebody. All right, let's keep on going. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of faith 
the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you, there, there is a Holy Ghost. There's a Holy Spirit of adoption. There is a, a Holy Spirit seals your spirit. It seals your soul. It seals you so that there will be no contamination. It seals you so that you will have eternal life and that you will not be contaminated. Oh, this is, this is a revelation by the Holy Ghost. You won't be contaminated by sin any longer. Mm-hmm. Shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? The Bible says, God forbid. God gives us, he seals us so that we won't have to become be longer prey to the lust of the flesh. He, he seals us with a Holy Spirit of promise, the Bible says. And so we we continue to seek the face of God. We continue. So just, just being religious is not enough. We need a tangible manifestation. We need power. If you understand, we can go and I'm, I'm just I'm trying to, you know, most of us know Acts 2. Most of us understand um, that the Bible tells Jesus told his disciples and check this out. Jesus's disciples that he walked with for three and a half years and received Jesus, received Jesus from Jesus. I mean, he, and it wasn't an altar call and the reverend was at the top or the mother was there. No, they accepted Jesus from Jesus. You, you, you can't get no better person to lead you to Christ than Christ. And so they, after his resurrection from the dead, he, he came back to get his disciples and began to teach them uh, in the in the ways, preparing them for their assignment. For three and a half years, they were training for their assignment. Now, after his death, they were getting their final instructions for their assignment. My God, the three and a half years prior to Jesus dying, he, they were in training to understand the kingdom of God. They were training to understand the different system of the kingdom. Now, once, and even through all that training, if you notice, they dispersed and they scattered because they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. And let's be honest with you, I don't know if you understand this or not, but they weren't saved. Mm-hmm. They couldn't They couldn't have been saved. They, there's no way they could have been saved in the three and a half years that they were training, okay? Because salvation could not come to mankind until the death of the lamb until the blood was shed. Come on, unless there, there, there can be no remissions of sin without without the blood, right? And so without the shedding of blood, there can be no remissions of sin. So while he was walking with them, they were still walking in their sin. Now he covered them, but they were not cleansed from their sin. And it's almost like the depiction of the Old Testament where the Israelites took the lamb and they sprinkled the blood over the mercy seat. And that that represented the covering of their sin for that year. Mm -hmm. And as long as they did it, high priest sprinkled the blood for their, it was an atonement. It was a covering, but it was not a conclusion. Lord have mercy. So the blood of animals could not conclude their sin, but it could cover temporarily their sin. Amen. So when the father looked down on Israel, they saw the blood. And when they see, when, when they see the blood, 
the, the death angel passes over. Amen, somebody. And so the spirit of God is teaching us on tonight that, amen, for those three and a half years, he covered them, mm -hmm, but they weren't saved. Now, the Bible lets us know that when he rose from the dead, he came back and he saw Mary first in the garden. And Mary Mary says, Master, because she recognized his voice. She did not recognize his appearance, but she recognized his voice. Lord have mercy. You've got to know the voice of the Lord. Amen. The Holy Spirit lets you understand the true voice of the Lord. And so you and I need to have an ear that will hear what the Spirit saith to the church. And so um, she runs back and tells Peter and says, the master has risen. And they were in doubt, of course. They were scared. They were hiding because they thought they were next to be crucified or to be caught, drawn and quartered or to be uh, cut asunder, and they were afraid that the Romans were going in the in the in the in the uh, the leaders of the Pharisees and scribes were going to snatch them up like they saw their Savior get snatched up, and so they were hiding behind closed doors. And Mary knew where they were at, so she runs in and says, "He's alive! He's risen!" And they doubted, and they weren't. They were they were scared, and their fears and their emotions were overtaking them. Because you must understand, don't judge them. These men weren't saved. These men weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. These men weren't sealed to the day of redemption. These men had an experience of Christ, but had not experienced Christ. Lord have mercy. They had experience with him, but he was not within them yet. And so when she told him, Peter got enough courage to run and go see where he laid and found out that he was no longer there. And even to the point where the angel said, ye which you seek is now gone, he's risen. Glory to God. And then as they are looking for the Lord, he now shows up with them and begins to reveal himself to the, his disciples to the point where now almost 40 days goes by while he is training his disciples about the kingdom of God and preparing them. But it's interesting, if you look at Acts 1, how in Acts 1, he begins to tell them all of the revelation he reveals, they still were not ready. Three and a half years of being, seeing the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the, the, the multiplications of food, the multiplications of resources, how the favor of God moved from city to city, miracles, signs, and wonders, and it still wasn't enough. He, 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 they had a front row seat with God speaking the truth on a daily basis, not just on Sundays, but every day for 365 days, three times and a half, over a thousand days straight in session with God, and they still didn't have everything they needed. He says, you must go and go to wait in the upper room. You must go and wait there for the comforter to come. You must go and wait for the Holy Ghost to come. Everything you've been exposed to, everything I've taught you, everything I've revealed to you will become clear to you and you'll be able to check the Holy Ghost. Oh, this is a good Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Write this note down. The Holy Ghost takes your faith from theory to manifestation, Lord have mercy. They saw the power of God. They assisted the power of God, but they could not really perform. If you notice, the only time they performed in the power of God is when Jesus uh, uh, released them two by two 
to do great works. When he gave them specific authority and power for that short span of time, they were able to carry out some powerful things, but it wasn't their everyday walking. If you notice the disciples assisted the power but they didn't walk in the power themselves. We know this because when he took the three of his disciples to the Mount of Transfiguration, the other nine were struggling with one boy that had a spirit upon a demonic spirit that caused him to have convulsions and throw himself into the fire, into the water. And the nine collectively didn't have enough power to cast out one boy, one demon. And when Jesus came back down, he cast him out quickly, glory to God, and the boy was back to normal and got him, got himself together and he moved on. And they all said, Lord, why weren't we? And he basically said, you know, these kind mm -hmm, come only by prayer and fasting. These kind of demons, these kind of demonic uh, spiritual opponents, you can't enter into them. You can't fight them with religion. You can't fight them with um, the reflection of the sun. You have to be the sun. Lord have mercy. You have to be able to walk in the power. You can't just be around the power. Many people are functioning with secondhand smoke. So many people are trying to deal with demonic forces with the reflection of Christ instead of having Christ in the reflection. Lord have mercy. And so the spirit of God is speaking to us right now. And, and as we realize in this last day, I, I come back to it, I started out with it, we need power. We, we, we don't need a reflection. We need to be the light. We need Christ in us, the hope of glory. We need the baptism anointed power of the Holy Ghost like never before. We cannot survive through religion. We cannot survive through our gimmicks and our games. You cannot survive in this last day with your colloquialisms and your jargons and your catchphrases and your hooks. You cannot provide, you cannot survive in this toxic world right now if you don't have clarity of thought and mind, if you don't have the power of God working with you on a daily basis. You can't just have the Holy Ghost on Sunday. You have to be walking deep with him seven days a week. You have to walk. Matter of fact, look, y'all, we need to be work, walking in a consecrated lifestyle. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, we need to be drenched, saturated, submerged, smeared by the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you hear what I'm saying? You cannot just do this uh, casually and think that the enemy is not going to breach your borders. Come on, the enemy is finding the weak link in your armor to penetrate you, you need, I, you and I need to make sure our borders are strong, make sure our faith, make sure we are protected because the enemy is seeking who he may devour and we need the power of the Holy Ghost to sustain him. You know, the Holy Spirit, it's not just a the way I visualize the Holy Spirit in a person's life when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, it is bigger than your vessel. It, it, it proceeds the temple. It, it, it's not just in the temple. It's, it's not just inside of you. It radiates beyond your natural borders. It, it, it has, it's almost like having a century or a 
a person that goes ahead and sees if everything's okay before you physically get there. I just believe the Holy Spirit will 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 go before us. It's that big. It's that. I mean, I believe the Holy Spirit. I just want you to imagine. Let's let your imagination one. Just imagine the Holy Spirit being ten feet in every area of your physical body, that before any enemy can come even close to you, before the enemy can come nigh by dwelling, Lord have mercy, you, they got to meet the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to, amen, intercept anyone that will even come in your physical space, Lord have mercy. Uh, glory to God. Do you hear me what I'm saying in this place? I believe when we are filled with the Holy Ghost that the enemy cannot come just into our physical place. Amen. He can't come nigh by dwelling. Oh, come on, church. We got to believe in this season that the power of God is number. We, 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 it, it, there's no way around it. Let, let's give me a couple more scriptures here. All right. The Holy Spirit. Let's go to, I guess we do. You know what? Mm, let's see. Let's, let's go to Acts, I guess. Let's go see what Acts is going to talk about for a second. Let's, let's just jump right into Acts for a second. Let's go to Acts and and see what the Lord is saying. I told you already about the first chapter. Um, <clears throat> in the first chapter of Acts, many people jump past the first actor at a first uh, number one, uh, Acts one, and go right to Acts two because you know that's where they're sitting up a upper room. That's where they're sitting for ten days, and the Holy Ghost comes down like a dove and fills the whole house, and everyone begins to speak with all the tongues of the Spirit give utterance. Everybody jumps right to that. But you know, Acts one is the foundation. You have to understand what happened before they got to that point you have to understand the commandment this is not a request and and you you know man is always trying to isolate or to create caste systems and segments of who the who's and who's not the have and the have nots the privileged and the unprivileged this holy ghost so we're clear is for all humankind just like salvation is for all mankind. It's not for a color, it's not for a gender, it's for all humankind. And so that I have to bring clarity to that because some of our some of our brothers in the Lord believe the baptism was only for the 12 disciples. They believe that it was only for men, that women have no uh, access to it. They believe that. It's only for being, some of them say you have to be an Israelite to receive. You have to be a Jew. Uh, they're always trying to segment and divide. Let me tell you something. God is so big. You act as if, you act as if God didn't make the other people that are different than you. You know, um, you, you act as if God didn't make the other colors that we see. You act as if God didn't create the different genders. Come on. You act as if God did not, uh, everything that's human, everything that's living on this earth, you act as if God did not create it. Amen. He did not, he did not, he, he he's not segregating his own creation from itself. Okay. If you notice, check this out. Doesn't matter what the color of my skin is. If I have the same blood type as another human being that may be Caucasian or maybe Asian or maybe Hispanic or maybe um, Russian or maybe some other culture, 
if I have a, an A-type blood type and you have an A-type blood type, guess what? I can give you a transfusion and you can live. Come on. If I have an O blood type, it doesn't matter if I'm a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if I'm black or white because we are connected by the blood because the life, listen, the Bible says the life of the body is in the blood. Mm -hmm. And so that we don't get pig transfers, uh, trans, uh, uh, transfusions. We don't get cow transfusions. We don't take on wolf transfusions. We don't take on uh, elephant transfu blood transfusions. All of them have blood, but we, our body cannot accept their blood because we're not one with them. We can only accept the blood of another that we're one with. Come on, church. And so let's get rid of the, the racism and the desegregation and the separation we are one body. We're one people. We're one blood. That's the way God sees us. And Satan has done his, done his best job in segregating us and separating us because he knows if we ever walk together as one man, he would not be able to have any influence or impact in the earth. And the church said, amen. All right. So the Bible says here in Acts 1, we'll jump right into... The sixth verse. And we'll, let's talk about Revelation for a minute. These are the disciples of Jesus that walked with him for three and a half years. These are the people, uh, the men that walked with Jesus. In the sixth verse of the, uh, Acts 1, it says, When they therefore were come together, and they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? This is after the resurrected Christ. Now he has rose from the dead. They are talking to Jesus, and the, what's on their minds is a natural kingdom. They are concerned about the Israelite kingdom on earth. They're still far off from the purpose of Jesus coming to establish the kingdom of God. And so they asked them this question in Acts 1, in the sixth verse, he says, when they therefore will come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, this is in red in my Bible, and it's probably read in yours too. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, what is Jesus saying to his disciples right here? They're asking about the natural kingdom of Israel, and he's now basically rebuking them, saying, look, this is none of your business. What's What's going on in this chronological world right now is none of your business. But let me tell you what you do have access to. You will receive power. That's what you're going to get. You want to see your people freed from the Roman tyranny and stronghold. Everything has its purpose and everything has its time, basically. And he's like, right now, I'm going to show you a greater portion. Let me tell you something. Many things that we're pursuing God for in our natural lives, amen, are very minute to the purpose of your life. Let me say that again to you. Holy Spirit has me talking to you. Many things that we're pursuing God for in, 
in our natural life are very minute to what God's purpose for our lives. And so the things we're pursuing God many times are for ourselves. When the reason why we're purposed in this in this life is for the benefit of his kingdom. If we could ever shift from the focus of ourselves to his purpose of his kingdom, we would find a greater clarity and a and a completeness of experience. Lord, many of our experiences are not fulfilling because our focus is on what we need and want and not what the creator wants and needs out of our experience. And so he speaks to us and says, but ye shall receive power. Now, he's not just saying you're going to receive power in Jerusalem. He says, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So now being saved, being saved is not enough. You need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life and ye shall be what? Witnesses of what? You're going to be witnesses of this power, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea. In other words, not just in the Jewish states, but you're going to have, you're going to show this power and this revelation in Samaria. And Samaria is a part where they are mixed breed. They're Gentile and Jewish mix. So you're not, you're going to go outside your borders and this Holy Ghost is going to work, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, where your culture is. I'm going to take you outside your culture into where people are mixed up, into mixed breeds, and into the uttermost part of their, not just where they have half your faith or half your revelation, but I'm going to take you beyond where people don't even believe like you believe. They don't even live like you live. Totally different culture altogether. But this power I'm going to give you is going to be transferable everywhere you go. Glory to God. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. It's the last thing he says to them. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Listen to this. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Angels, y'all, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The last thing Jesus says to his disciples was that they were going to receive power from the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. The last thing he tells them is that they're going to be a witness in not just Jerusalem and Judea, but Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the last word that he says to his disciples before he goes to sit on his throne. Don't we think this should be very important in our understanding that Jesus thought these last words were so important. He could have spoken on the tabernacle. He could have spoken on some kind of ritual. He could have spoken on a certain kind of day. He could have spoken, told them what day to have church. He could have spoken to them um, what name to baptize people in. He said, basically, look, I'm getting ready to leave. But one thing I'm going to tell you, you're getting ready to get some power. And this power is going to give you the ability and the embodiment to be able to be a witness wherever you go. And then the Bible says that these disciples went and they sat in the upper room. And the, here's the thing about it is it wasn't just the 11. They took lots and they made it 12 to make sure they had 12 apostles. 
But then the Bible says in the upper room, I'm just going to jump ahead because I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm probably running out of time by now. Amen. Um, that the Bible says there was 120 sitting in the upper room. Hmm, where did it come from? There was only 11 that was with Jesus for the 40 days. But then they took in and brought Matthias in, made him 12. But where did the other 100 and some people come from? There was 120 sitting in the upper room. My God. So, so the Bible says, let me see what it says. The Bible says in 12th verse, is that the 12th verse here? It says 12th verse at the second chapter. Where we at? It's 12th verse. The Bible says, they returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelot, Zelots, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, listen church, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. In other words, Jesus had about, uh, I think it was six of them all together. So the rest of Jesus' brothers were there also. Um, but there were women there. His mother was there. His brothers were there. And the Bible says, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. Hmm. Peter puts a number on the upper room. Men and brethren, this scripture must need have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us, and he obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all of his bowels gushed out. That's graphic. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in the proper tongue, uh, Ekedema, that is to say, the field of blood. For it was written in the book of Psalms, let this habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men, which uh, have accompanied com com with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John until that same day that he was taken up from us. Must one be ordained to be witness with us of his resurrection? And they appointed two, Joseph called Barab Bar Barabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knoweth the heart of all men, shew whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lots fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, I just want to bring out something about the two that was chosen to be elected as the replacement of Judas. There were some qualifications here to be even selected, to have, to have an option to be one of the apostles. The Bible says, says it said, let's pick some, let's, let's, the Bible says, where of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us? In other words, who has been walking with us from the beginning, even though they were called disciples, 
there were others who came and was part of the congregation. In other words, who has been with us since the beginning? They might not have had a specific calling, but they walked with us from the beginning. That's what the, this was just saying. He says, has accompanied us all the time that the Lord went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John. Who's been with us since Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the water? Who's been with us that long? And it came down to just two people that stayed with Jesus and the disciples in the, in the entourage for that whole period of time. And these two people that we don't hear of until there's a until there's a opening, glory to God, in the apostle order. And now we hear about these two people, all, all of the people that thronged Jesus, only two actually were there from beginning to the end. And that was um, Joseph called Bear Sabbath, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. So we have Justice that was there and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men, the key of your assignment will always come down to your heart. Mm -hmm. Many times we are thinking that our outward preparation is going to qualify us. We, you will always be chosen by God based off of your heart. God chooses us based off the capacity of our heart. The Bible says, which knoweth the hearts of all men, shew whether of these two thou hast chosen. It wasn't the 11 that were left that chose the replacement. It was the Holy Spirit. It was God that chose the replacement. And they, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. They gave forth their lots and the lots fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. And so we go to Acts 2 now. And now that we have our governmental order back in place, see, the 11 was not the original order. We needed 12. So God made sure before we moved into the church realm, into the church dimension, to the church time, establishing his church, he had to make sure that he had the foundation of the 12. We have to have 12, that number of government and foundation to make sure that whatever is built is built on a sure foundation. So we needed 12. That's why Matthew, if you realize, you really never hear anything else about Matthew's. Matthew's job was to complete the government. His job was to solidify the foundation of the New Testament church. He did his job by completing the 12. The Bible says in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and this wasn't the first Pentecost. This was a feast time. It was a Pentecost, amen, every year. But this time, this Pentecost was multidimensional. Mm -hmm. just, this wasn't just a religious Pentecost that they were used to coming to Israel and giving their alms and giving their tithes and making the time of worship. This was not just that Pentecost, but this was a spiritual Pentecost. This was when the God through the Holy Spirit, was going to introduce himself on planet Earth in a manifested form. Mm -hmm. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in what? One place. The key of the Spirit, always remember this, when the Holy Spirit 
is with the people. If the people are true, if the Holy Spirit is truly there, it brings the people into one accord. It doesn't matter what kind of personalities, backgrounds, it doesn't matter what colors, uh, ethnos, it doesn't matter gender. When the Holy Spirit is in and with a people, it brings all of those differences into one accord. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. Glory to God. The Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They were just sitting. They were sitting and waiting. They were sitting and praying. They were sitting and worshiping, but they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them and they were all filled. Some of them, just the men, just the, just the 12, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, capital S, gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when the, uh, this noise was abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. The Holy Ghost was coming out of the upper room. They were speaking in tongues. And the people that were gathering for Pentecost in Jerusalem were hearing. Yeah, remember, Jews were gathering from all over the world for this time of feast in Pentecost. So they had different tongues and different languages based on where their home was. And when they entered into Jerusalem and heard the disciples in the 120 speaking in tongues, they heard their languages and they couldn't believe that these people knew their languages. Glory to God. So one manifestation of the fire is a interpretive, clear communication. The Holy Spirit is a clear communicator with all people. It doesn't matter where you're from, your background, your language. The Holy Ghost can talk to anybody. Amen. It knows every language because all languages come from him. Lord have mercy. So the Bible says that now he was noised abroad and the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Corinthians and Medes and Ammonites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judah and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phyga and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya and Siren and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Let me tell you something about the Holy Ghost. It will always magnify God. The Holy Spirit never magnifies uh, people. It always magnifies and gives glory to God. Amen. And they were all amazed and were were in doubt saying one to another, what mean is this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Mm -mm. When a spiritual thing is happening in your life, stop looking for confirmation for people that are not walking in the spirit. They cannot interpret spiritual things. Spiritual things are discerned, are spiritually discerned, are separated, are blocked from flesh. And so many of us get trying our best to uh, explain our spiritual experiences to carnal people, you're just wasting your time. They're just going to make a mockery of your experience because they can't understand. Oh my goodness. The Bible lets us know in this last day, 
as I try to now begin to digress a little bit here. That is important. I cannot reiterate this enough that you and I do not become polluted with idols and identities and titles that we do not uh, think that we can replace power with position. It is more important that you have power in this last day than certificates and plaques, crowns and staffs and crosses. It's more important in this last day that you truly walk in the power of his might. Put more emphasis on your, you know, I mean, how do you how do you maintain that power? You must live a consecrated life. You must live holy before God. You must practice the word of the Lord. You must meditate day and night. You, you have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, salvation is free, but somebody put in the work so you can walk in this free salvation. And others need to experience this great salvation. And we, as the witnesses of the Holy Spirit, must put in the work so that the Holy Spirit can have an opportunity to witness to lost souls through us. We are to be witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. How do we maintain our witness but by staying filled with the baptism power of the Holy Ghost? Sinner's not going to bow down to you because your name because you got bishop in front of your name. Demon-possessed person is not going to release that that young boy, that young girl, because you got apostle in front of your name, because you tell everybody you prophet. Demons are not going to surrender any territory by just because you have a title. But boy, girl, pay the price to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pay the price to be consecrated. Pay the price to have your vessel filled with the Holy Ghost. And you'll see demons tremble. You'll see lives cry out, what must I do to be saved? You'll see sicknesses and diseases cast off of people's lives. You'll see mental strongholds and generational curses broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, come on, come on, y'all. There is no shortcut. There is no, there is no, no, no abbreviated way. There is no popcorn version. You got to go all in there. There is no, it's, it's all or nothing. It's, it's Revelation sums it up for us. He, he makes it very clear. Oh, my time is out, y'all. I knew that was going to happen. Amen. Revelation makes it very clear. He said, I wish that you be hot or cold because those that are lukewarm, it gets, you know, it says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I want you to understand we are the people that need to be on fire for God in this season. And I encourage and I challenge all of you to make an individual decision not just to be saved, not just to be a member of a church, but to be in a be a vessel that the Holy Spirit can catch on fire and still not be consumed. It's that time that God wants to use your life to send such a fire upon you that you will not be consumed. Thanks for tuning in to another week of PHM Experience, the podcast. This is a production of Powerhouse Ministries Incorporated, located in Smyrna, Delaware, where Bishop Duane L. Bull and Pastor Sybil Bull are our senior pastors. Tune back in for another empowering sermon, class, or midweek service experience that we know is going to bless your life. As always, come for the experience.